Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast. I am U Street and this week I am joined by Andy, Gopher Guy 5 Hello as always. And Blake, Iowa Gopher. Happy bye week. Happy bye week indeed. We are winning the bye week in many ways, one of which is putting out this particular podcast, which we're thrilled to do so. But we decided, given that it is the bye week, uh, we don't. while we have Blake on the podcast, we don't really have a usual point for him, because it's roughly at this point we would ask Blake to preview our upcoming opponent. With that said, though, I'm going to ask Blake, please preview the bye week for us. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough opponent on Saturday for the Gophers. Um, just trying not to get injured. That's going to be the big thing this week is no injuries. Um, come out of that Saturday, you know, clean. So, yeah, that's really all I have to go. Andy, if you were self-scouting yourself during the bye week, what would your report be? Uh, my report be probably that I haven't done enough drinking in the first few games, so I probably should work on that and get my, uh, get back to practice because i definitely know once we hit the big 10 season i, I gotta be in, in pure form for that so how is uh, that how is that possible you have not drank enough during the they considering the nature of these first three games well i how agree have you, how have you not drank well two, two of them i've been in tcf bank stadium and i don't feel like going bankrupt um and the third one was a 9 30 start and i felt like if i would drink so much i wasn't going to see be able to see the second half so, granted, situationally it's not been great, but I'm looking forward to getting back in action at the uh, road game in West Lafayette in a week and a half and uh, really uh, changing my best. Blake, are you also attending the road game in West Lafayette? That is the plan as of right now. It'll be my first visit to West Lafayette. Will either of the two of you, because I believe it's actually the three, our fearless lighthouse leader, Chris, I believe is also attending, will the three of you be tailgating? I know Andy and Chris will at the very least, and I'll probably try and seek them out. Uh, it just depends on what time I get into town. Yes, uh, we will be tailgating. I was very happy to see a uh, 3.30 Eastern kick announced on Monday, not this noon BS crap. Um, so there will be ample time to both recover from Friday night and make sure we get a good uh, good buzz going before uh, we show up to ross Aid on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. What's going to happen on I Friday w- night? Uh, I've been told there are decent bars in West Lafayette. I have never been there as well, but I'm I'm trusting Chris to uh, find the places he was at when he was there a couple years ago and, and make sure it's a, a decent time. But uh, you know, maybe foolhardly, I'm I'm putting my faith in him to direct me to the to the correct places in the uh, West Lafayette Lafayette Metroplex. For those of you who listen to the podcast who are also attending, I'm going to put a plug to go join Chris, Blake, and Andy at their tailgate because I'm not there and won't bear any of the consequences (laughs) if you randomly show up to them. But I expect it to be fun. Now, last year, one of the challenges, uh, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, is that last year, basically any time Chris went to a game, and by last year I mean literally the existence of the time this podcast has been going, which is actually more than last year. It's the last couple of years now. Chris would go to a game, and it would rain. Andy and Blake, do you have the appropriate provisions, given that you are going to be traveling to a game with a water demon? Honestly, I completely forgot about that. Now I'm going to check the West Lafayette forecast for Saturday. It's just cloudy. Cloudy with partly sunny. No chance of there's, there's no rain predicted. So it's still early. But yes, if I if I need to bring the rain gear, I can bring the rain gear because this is not my first time attending a game with our, our fearless 
tall guy. So uh, been th- been there, done that, been prepared. But uh, I I can a hundred percent say that I also have been to games where it's been gorgeously sunny and nice with him. So um, maybe I just have a little bit of an antidote. I I'm not sure, but uh, hopefully. Or you were in better drinking form. Well, you know. We'll, we'll just have to see how everything plays out, but I'm, I'm hoping that, yes, I'm not drinking to uh, forget that it's raining and drinking to forget that the third quarter is just evil in Gopherland the first three games. It does seem that for the third quarter, Tom Thibodeau has decided to be coaching our fearless squad. For the non-conference in general, we had a couple of things, obviously, to talk about, one of which, the most important, is that the Gophers are 3-0, and which is uh, particularly important because sometimes, depending on what you're reading on our blog, our internal conversations on Twitter, uh, if you are occasionally checking out other blogs, you may be uh, remiss if you, uh, you know, knew that, because there seems to be a lot of discussion as to the Gophers, in fact, being much closer to 0-3. Blake, for you, now that the non-conference has ended, how would you grade the team, and is there a particular area of excitement and a particular area of concern for the next couple of day games as we begin the Big Ten season? Hmm, how would I, it's tough, it's tough to grade um, the team at this point. After, just after these three games, because um, I really don't think we know what we had in South Dakota State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern. I mean, we can look at last season, but these really, uh, really, really aren't their same teams, just as the Gophers aren't that same team as last year. Um, you know, I think a lot of people went into this season expecting the Minnesota team from those last three ga- or last three or four games against, you know, Purdue, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech, where they looked really good and things were clicking. Um, and that really, ha- that really hasn't been the case. Um, some of the things that, you know, have, haven't worked out so well is obviously the offensive line, um, which is still, when you think about it, pretty young. I mean, they're very talented, but inexperienced and, um, a lot of that's showing, um, with the way they've, um, responded to like twist, just basic twists and stunts, um, which we've seen in all three games. Cause obviously the opponents watch game film and see that they struggle against them and, um, continue to do that, um, but hopefully we'll see that improve um, with more experience as the season goes along. Um, you know, Tanner Morgan's been kind of a mixed bag. Um, I really am disappointed that, you know, there's not another quarterback like Annex to, to really push him at, at the very least. Um, it just It's just tough to know that, like, he's literally the only option, barring disaster and having to insert Jacob Clark or um, the other name is escaping me right now. And that, Cole Kramer. Cole Kramer. There we go. Um, defensively, uh, I think you made this point next to the survey. We probably haven't seen the full scope of what defensive coordinator Joe Rossi can do. Um, these first three games, he's probably going to keep most of his aces up his sleeve, um, for conference play. Um, but I think they've acquitted themselves pretty well. That first game is tough just cause you don't really know what that team's going to throw at you and you need I mean, you're using game film from the previous season, but they've got a new offensive coordinator, um, different talent, um, second game, I thought they were, you know, improved, but, you know, Fresno State's a pretty tough team, and I thought they acquitted themselves well for the most part, and then against Georgia Southern, I thought they played more than well enough to win, and they really only allowed, you know, two touchdowns, and even those were set up by turnovers, the, uh, the damning two touchdowns in the second half were a direct result of the offense's ineptitude, but, uh, just kind of... I guess that's focusing a lot on the negatives. I think the good things are, you know, defense is played solid. I don't think anyone's going to argue that the receiving core hasn't lived up to the hype. Um, even, like, you know, outside of Rashad Boone and Tyler Johnson, you've got Demetrius Douglas and Chris Upman-Bell both having huge plays. 
just the last two weeks alone. But um, I guess if I'm looking overall, I'd probably just go with B. I mean, I'm tempted to go C plus just because they've really looked off kilter. But, you know, this is a team that's 3-0. They've beaten what would appear to be three fairly decent teams. Um, one on a, a true road game against a team that was in the top 25 a year ago. Granted, they lost a lot of talent on the offseason. But um, I honestly think it's a solid B. And I, I really don't think we know, we'll know how good this team is um, until a few more weeks into the season. Andy, you uh, have been, I should say, slightly more negative about certain aspects of the team play during the non-conference. Would you agree with Blake that you would give the team a B, or would you be giving a lower grade? I would be shocked if you'd be giving a higher one. Yeah, no, I I think I have to drop it a little bit. Um, You know, I I think I'm going to probably sit right on that B minus C plus range, depending upon which way you want to want to flip. I agree that the defense has by far been the strong point of this uh, team the first three games, and, uh, you know, admittedly, they looked pretty raw the first game, and we can attribute a lot of that to uh, Kamal Martin being out and and the uh, two sophomore linebackers having to do a lot more coverage than they have previously, and, um, you know, still having a bit of, of, of whiplash trying to get things figured out. Um, and the defense with Fresno put a lot more together, um, and then and then last week against Georgia Southern, um, you know, really in the second half, they seemed to really shut down the run. They've done a really good job of shutting down the run, uh, been a little leaky against the pass at times, but um, they've shown they've shown hints of pass rush other than Carter Coughlin. Um, so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic going forward that they'll be able to be a, a strong productive unit once we hit Big Ten play here. Um, the offense, on the other hand, is where I'm really struggling to to find a lot of positives. Um, the receiving core would be the the number one obvious positive. Uh, Rashad Bateman, the first two weeks was a stud, and then all of a sudden he was a little more quiet last week. But uh, that's okay because Tyler Johnson came out of his uh, double team exile and uh, absolutely destroyed the Eagles last week. Um, and as Blake said, we've gotten great play out of Chris Otten Bell and Demetrius Douglas as well. So um, we knew the receiving core was the deepest. Well, actually, I mean, we, we thought the running back core would be pretty deep too, but we knew the receiving core was going to be one of the deepest parts and it's shown so far. Um, you know, the running backs have been slightly disappointing. Um, you know, Rodney Smith, the first two games, still look like he's trying to get his, his step back coming off of his ACL injury a year ago. Um, he looked good. He looked better in the first half of the Georgia Southern game until he got knocked out of the game with an injury. Um, and, and Mo Ibrahim had looked probably the best back the first two weeks, and then, of course, he misses week three with an injury. So, um, you know, it, it's good that the Gophers have a, have a deep running back core, um, you know, in limited action. What we saw from Cam Wiley and uh, Bryce Williams was was adequate, um, but I think uh, this team will really look a little bit differently if we can get to you know three or four games into the Big Ten season and you've got hopefully close to 100% Rodney Smith, Mo Ibrahim, and Shannon Brooks all ready to to contribute. Um, you know, they're also going to be a stronger unit if the offensive line can sort of come back around. Um, I think they've been the most disappointing unit on the team thus far. Uh, maybe we all had illogically high expectations of of the line, um, but I mean, they they've been hyping up this uh, Douglas and Falele, or Dunlap and Falele, excuse me, right side of the line, uh, along with Olson at center uh, as the strength all off season long, and obviously, uh, we've seen from the first three games that they still have a lot to learn. They are they are young, uh, not Olson, but but Dunlap and Falele. Um, 
but if they play as they have the first three games, uh, things are going to get a lot uglier when you go against some teams with uh, much more talented defensive lines, Purdue being the, the number one test right off the bat. So hopefully uh, Brian Callahan can get these guys figured out over the bye week and, and do some self-scouting and figure out what they need to pay attention to work on. Um, if, if those units all come together, they'll make Tanner Morgan's life a little bit easier. Um, you know, he, he's been the total, you know, split down the middle. He looked terrible the first two throws he made in the Georgia Southern game and then led the team down on another miraculous late drive. So um, if you could just convince Tanner Morgan that it's always third or fourth down and we're always just down by a little bit, if he could play like that for the entire game, <laughs> uh, that'd be great. But, um, you know, as we've seen, he's going to have, whether it's mental lapses, thinking he can, he can find holes that aren't there, or seeing holes and trying to force balls in that he just doesn't have the skills to do or whatever. Um, he's still making one or two pretty big mistakes a game, and, and eventually the way these guys keep playing with fire, something's going to ignite, and they're not going to be able to uh, put it out in, just in time to, uh, to make up for it. So... Um, you know, good positive signs all around, but I think they still have a lot of things to fix and a lot of things to try and uh, correct going forward as the talent level they'll be facing takes a significant step up here starting in about 11 days. You know, Andy, you talked, I think, for like five or six minutes, and I'm shocked that there was no mention of the name Kirk Shiraka. It's because I guess for those, obviously, you're not in our TDG Slack, but Andy has been very vocal about his dissatisfaction with the offensive play calling. Well, I, I agree, and I think that will improve in the Big Ten because I honestly, well, I sure hope so, but I honestly think that Chiraka has intentionally been keeping things incredibly bland going forward, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, especially after the bye week, that they open up the playbook a little bit to start Big Ten, um, which will hopefully take away some of my frustrations with him is. Um, they have they have relied on an incredibly vanilla playbook, and uh, after about the fifth time you run one play, the defense has been picking up on it. Um, so you know Georgia Southern was selling out on the on the draw play up the middle because we ran it about eleven times in a row when we ran that play, and suddenly instead of getting four or five carries like we were getting in the first half in the third quarter, we were getting one maybe two because they were putting eight guys in the box and selling out. Um, you know, another thing, again, you know, as, as Blake can attest to, my dissatisfaction would be, be checking out of plays. Um, I, I don't think in the Georgia Southern game, we, we probably checked out seven or eight times. I don't think we got more than one yard on any of those times. I don't know if that's on Tanner. I don't know if that's on Kirk. But in some way, somehow, we have to figure out a play to check out of, because if the original play isn't going to work, the cheap easy draw up the middle is definitely not working so um hopefully that's another thing they can get corrected and fixed and and you know like i said my honest hope is is they intentionally were keeping things plain and vague in the non-conference portion of the schedule and they'll be willing to open up the playbook here as we get to the conference part but uh i have a feeling we'll we'll find out pretty quickly no and i that, that's something interesting to watch too is yeah like you mentioned the checking out of plays I, I'll, I'll be curious if that changes much over the next couple of weeks if we see a little bit more diversity and when they change plays at the line of scrimmage just because maybe they don't want to show much. or I mean, Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have not heard anybody ask um, Fleck about that or how, what their mentality is when changing those plays, and obviously he's going to be intentionally vague about it. But, yeah, that's something that I'm going to 
also keep an eye on. I'll merely close this discussion by saying that if you step back for a second, it is unquestionably true that a Minnesota football game this season has been the most fun football game to watch. Probably substantially more painful if you, like us, are partisan towards Minnesota, the Minnesota Gophers. But if you were just a neutral observer, these are awesome. And as long as Minnesota keeps winning, I'm 100% here for awesome, ridiculous football. On a similar awesome note, though not ridiculous, the University of Minnesota also has a fantastic volleyball team who was recently competing against several Pac-12 clubs, including Oregon and, I believe, at the time, number one Stanford, and did quite well. Andy, can you recap for us how awesome our volleyball team is? Yeah, you know, if you remember, we were a little bit of frustrated with the volleyball team starting the years. They uh, they started off a bit slow and and dropped a uh, non-conference match to Florida State and really didn't look good. Um, and then they went down to Texas and, and blew that game where they had something like, I believe, 11 different set points and they couldn't win a single one. Uh, well, they finally figured it out. Uh, they hosted Florida. They got a big 3-0 sweep last week, or two weekends ago. Uh, and then they went to Penn State last weekend for the Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge. Um, Friday afternoon, they took on number 10, Oregon. Oregon, if you remember, was the team that beat the Gophers twice last year, including the team that on their home court knocked the Gophers out of the Sweet 16. Uh, Minnesota got its revenge with a quick 3-0 sweep of the Ducks. And then, yeah, Saturday they took on number one, Stanford. Stanford had not lost in 38 straight non-conference matches. Um, And Minnesota took them out with a 3 one victory. Uh, Stephanie Samdy led the Gophers. She was absolutely amazing. And in fact, uh, she had 35 kills and 96 attempts, averaged five kills per set on the weekend. Uh, also averaged 3.14 digs per set. Uh, it was good enough. She was named the National Player of the Week for the last weekend. And she becomes the first Gopher ever to win National Player of the Week twice in her career. Uh, she won it once last season as well. So uh, if you think of the history of Gopher Volleyball over the past 25 years and how many talented players have come through this program, uh, Samity is the first player ever to win National Player of the Week two weeks in her career. So um, the Gophers actually took three Big Ten hours last week. Samity was the uh, Player of the Week. Regan Pittman, middle blocker, was the Defensive Player of the Week. And Kylie Miller for the second week in a row was the Setter of the Week. So, Minnesota did uh, do what they need to do. They only moved up to number seven in the national poll this week. Not a lot of movement. I think the uh, the voters are still a little skeptical after what they did early in the season. Um, Stanford dropped to number one to number two, letting Big Ten foe Nebraska move up to number one. And uh, coincidentally, a huge match, I believe, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, or it might be tonight if you're listening to this, uh, Stanford goes to Nebraska. So number one versus number two in the non-conference. So that should be a, a good early test to see if Stanford can bounce back, and we'll try and get an idea of how good Nebraska is. Um, the Gophers have one more uh, weekend of non-conference play this weekend at the PAV. They host Clemson on Thursday night, uh, and then they host Oral Roberts on Saturday night. Both, in theory, should be pretty easy wins for the Gophers, and then they get going with the always tough Big Ten slog starting the week after that. For those of you not in the know, volleyball in the Big Ten appears to be like softball in the SEC and that every single team is amazing and should make the tournament. 
With that said, uh, we're gonna exit, but I should note that if you are looking for bi-week related content from the University of Minnesota, and Andy, please check me here, the women's hockey team is beginning because it is Minnesota and therefore hockey never ends with a couple of exhibition games this weekend at Ritter. Is that correct? That's right. The uh, the Gopher women's hockey team gets, gets going with a couple of fan-friendly exhibition games. I believe they're free. Uh, they host the Toronto Arrows, which is a semi-pro team, I think, uh, at noon on Saturday, and then they host the uh, Minnesota Whitecaps, which, if you remember, the Whitecaps won the NWHL championship in their inaugural season last year, um, though, granted, they're missing half of their good players due to the current labor strife, um, but they will play the Gophers in an exhibition game at 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Um, to go along with that on Sunday, the, the Gophers are having a big uh, sort of fan fest thing, um, where they're going to be opening up both the women's locker room and the men's locker rooms. You can go ahead and tour those, and there'll be other activities to go along with the exhibition game. So uh, that should be fun on Sunday if you've got nothing to do and don't want to watch the Vikings take on whoever they're playing this week. Um, so it should be good to go to Ritter. Uh, take a look. Next week we'll get the uh, the season preview up on the blog. The Gophers open up the regular season with uh, 2018 NCAA runner-up Colgate in for a pair of non-conference games. Uh, it's scary to think that the Gophers are already starting. Um, and in case you haven't, I've been I've been neglecting getting up this on the blog. We'll get it up next week. But the uh, first U.S. CHO poll of the year came out this week, and Minnesota comes in at number two uh, behind only those damn red Badgers from the East. So uh, it should be another year of the Gophers and Badgers fighting it out to see who can win both the WCHA and probably the national title. Which is fantastic. So recall, exhibition games this week. Next week, the Gophers take on a toothpaste brand. We're all very excited. With that, row the boat, Skyuma, go Gophers.